Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and joining me, as usual, is 2005 All-Pac-10 first-team defensive end for USC, a 13-year NFL vet, and the pride of Tustin High School, Frosty Rucker. Frosty, I know you've got some projects in the works that you want to talk about, so here you go. What do you got going on? Nara, thanks for always being a bright spot in my day, buddy. Right now, I've been working on a flag football league in my dear Orange County, California, we open up in the fall. Let's knock on wood that the coronavirus is completely out of the way by then and everyone's back to their normal lives. You can look us up at theleagueflag.com or that's www.theleagueflag.com. That's what I've been working on and it should be a blast to start my own league. That sounds like an exciting venture. Again, theleagueflag.com to check out Frosty's Flag Football League that's supposed to start up in the fall. Again, hopefully the coronavirus will subside and we can get back to as normal a world as possible. And of course, if you enjoy listening to our show here on the Believe Podcast Network, you can subscribe and rate us on all of your favorite podcast directories like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. The website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcast. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, what are all the places they can catch you on social media? They can always find me at The Organic Frost, and that's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Love to hear from you. Good, bad, and ugly. Send your messages, and I will get back to you. So originally, we planned to have a two-part look back at the 2003 National Champion USC Trojans football squad. But there are so many good stories and details from that season that we've decided to make it a three-part series instead. In this show, we'll pick up where we left off in part one and cover the last six games of the regular season. The Trojans had a 5-1 record at the halfway point, the only blemish being the triple overtime loss to Cal up in Berkeley when they were ranked third in the country. SC had rebounded with a couple of 20-plus point wins over Arizona State and Stanford to get back to number five in the AP poll, but we're now facing back-to-back road games. First up, the bitter rivals, Notre Dame. SC had smoked a seventh-ranked Fighting Irish team at the Coliseum 44-13 the year before when Carson Palmer threw for 425 yards and sealed the deal on his Heisman Trophy. But the 2003 Golden Domers entered this game just 2-3 and three on the season and struggling with true freshman starting quarterback Brady Quinn. Frosty, this was your first trip to South Bend, Indiana for what I consider the greatest rivalry in all of college football. Besides the game itself, which we'll get to in just a moment, what was the experience like to go to a historic place like Notre Dame Stadium, seeing Touchdown Jesus, the leprechaun mascot, and all the hoopla that surrounds a USC Notre Dame game? It was everything I expected, Mara, to be completely honest. The environment was exactly what I thought it was going to be. The little leprechaun was annoying as possible. The fans were out of control. 
There's cuss words being spewed out. They hate your guts. It was exactly the rivalry that I grew up watching, and it was so fun being a part of it, finally. And it turned out to be a pretty successful game as well. SC and Notre Dame traded a couple of touchdowns early on, so it was tied 14-14 with 4.02 left in the first quarter before SC finished it off with 31 unanswered points to get back-to-back 31-point wins in the rivalry. Outgained Notre Dame 551-279 to in yardage. A tremendous game for Matt Leinert, 26 of 34, 351 yards, and four touchdown passes. Reggie Bush had six rushes for 89 yards and a touchdown, added 38 receiving. Lendale White, a solid 16 carries for 75 yards on the ground. Herschel Dennis also had 61 total yards and two touchdowns, one rushing, one catching. And big games for the receivers, Mike Williams and Kerry Colbert, both going over 100 yards and a TD apiece. And how about that defense? 11 tackles for loss in that game, four of those being sacks, had a forced fumble, only allowed Notre Dame in the USC territory on one of their six drives in the second half. Melvin Simmons led the way in tackling with 13. Kanechi Udezi, six tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. Two sacks for Mike Patterson. And Frosty, you had a pretty big game and a nice way to cap off the game at the end of the fourth quarter, too. Yeah, man, like you said, you can go through these stat lines of every player. I think this was the coming out game for the three-headed monster with Herschel, Lindell, and Reggie. They attacked through the air. They attacked on the ground. They played a complete solid game. Our receivers couldn't be held all day. BMW, that's Big Mike Williams and Kerry Colbert. They led the way. Minor threw all over them. Reggie, Lindell, and Herschel ran all over them. Our defense was stout all day. Like you said, Melvin Champ Simmons, 13 tackles, two for loss. He just was on fire the whole game. Big BKU, Kenichi Udezi, and Mike Patterson led the way up front. And I was just being a role player that I was and came up with a couple tackles. And, yep, I got that fumble recovery at the end of the game. Like I said, I was always getting the ball. Yeah, you were always finding a way to get the ball. We talked a little bit about that in part one of this 2003 look back. And tell me about that play, because again, that was one of the sacks by Udezi. He comes in, strip sack. And how did that play go down? Just to go back to 2003 and talk about the type of athletes I was playing with and the type of football players on my defensive line, starting with Kenechi and Mike Patterson. Kenechi was just such a stud. I mean, the chisel specimen, the 280 pounds, hands as big as Shaquille O'Neal's. This guy was a natural-born just defense alignment. He was stout against the run. He rushed the passer ferociously, and he made another big-time play, and that's why at the end of the season it became a first-round pick for the Minnesota Vikings. But it was the games like this versus Notre Dame, the games where they're big rivalry games and they're nationally televised where these big-time players stepped up. And he set the tone with the way he played with those six tackles and those two sacks. And when he got that sack calls fumble, which Coach Ed Orndron always says the best playing football, I just happened to, like I said, find the ball and add to the stat line. But those guys led the way. I was a young player. Being in that environment, it was good to see the way that tone was set. And again, our defense played lights out, and that's why we got the win 45-14. Yep, a big 45-14 victory held quarterback Brady Quinn of Notre Dame to 15-34 passing for just 168 yards 
and running back Julius Jones. People probably remember that name as well. 18 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown, but really not much of a factor in the game. And you mentioned at the start about that crowd being all over you, yelling cuss words and everything. By the end of that game, what was that crowd like there? Oh, by the end of that game, after that butt whooping, they were so quiet. It was like they were sitting in church and the priest was talking. We didn't hear much from them as we kept pouring on the points and we kept playing as dominant as we could. It was a statement for us and it really let the fans and everyone know, especially around the nation, what we're all about. We came to play, we came to win, and there was no looking back for that team. So after that, the next week was another road game up to Seattle to play the Washington Huskies. SC still ranked fifth in the country, UW coming in four and three on the season. SC would outgain the Huskies 565 to 360 in total yardage, 214 to 86 on the ground, on their way to winning 43-23. It was the first win for the Trojans at Husky Stadium in a decade, a full 10 years since they had last won up there. Matt Leinert, again, for the second straight game, 351 yards passing with four touchdowns. Reggie Bush, a monster all-purpose again, 12 carries for 81 yards, five catches for 132 yards, and two of those liner touchdowns, one a 60-yarder and the other a 37-yarder, and that was really where the big play Reggie came into being for the USC. Herschel Dennis, 98 yards on the ground, Kerry Colbert, 91 receiving and a touchdown. And the defense really didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot, but they still contributed. Ronald Nunn had a 57-yard interception return touchdown in the first quarter and a fumble recovery in the second quarter. Will Poole led the way with nine tackles and a pass breakup. Again, BKU, Big Konechi Udezi, five tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, a pass breakup, and a guy named Frosty Rucker made his first career start. Let's talk about that. What was it like? When did you know you were getting the start? And how did that go? Well, this is one of those games that really stand out for me, being my first career start at USC. Omar Nazel, one of the members of the Wild Bunch 2, got a hand injury, and I got the nod. And again, remember, I started my career off as a linebacker and was getting time playing defensive end more and more, trying my best to get on the field. And this was such a huge game. It wasn't just a huge game for me, but to go out there with Will Poole and Ronald Nunn, two other guys that transferred in at the same time as I did, and we always had our backs against the wall, and we had to fight our way out. And they made a name for themselves that day. Will Poole was always a stud. He came in on basically a one-year make-it-or-break-it, and like you said, he led the team with nine tackles, seven solos, and a pass breakup. And my boy Ronald Nunn, he transferred in from San Francisco City College, and those guys had a heck of a juco winning national championships there. He came in and battled his tail off, got a 57-yard interception for a touchdown and a fumble recovery in the second quarter. And it just felt so good because we all came in at the same time, and we all had a day. I had eight tackles, one for loss. I'm not even sure I pass rushed <laughs> the whole day. I just was so excited to get that number of snaps and go out there with the first group and make a name for myself with my first start. And it felt good to be a part of it the whole way through. And I'll never forget that day. And what was it like from the coaching staff and your teammates about you getting that first start? What did they do to either help you out, encourage you, or what was it like on that team when a guy had to step in? Like I said before, Ed Ortron was my D-line coach and he was never 
for a loss of words and motivating. He did that with ease by just demanding your perfection, demanding you play up to the standard of our defensive line room. And knowing that I was filling in for Omar Nazel, he was a senior, he was on Wild Bunch too, and he had a great rapport with the other guys on the team. I knew I just had to bring it. The guys trusted me. They've known me for two years now. These guys also knew I've been busting my tail in practice trying to crack this lineup or just get more playing time and contribute. I had a day, and they were very supportive the whole way through. Being in that huddle with the type of players that we had and just looking around and feeling that crisp October air in Washington, it was a great experience. I was very fortunate, and my team went out there and played like usual. They played their tails off, and again, no one wanted to see us the second half of the season. We start really gelling, still rolling together, and Coach Carroll had this energy so high for us, and we were so upbeat that we just knew we couldn't get beat. That moved USC's record to 7-1 and one on the season, and again, we are looking back at the 2003 National Championship season for the USC Trojan football team. We are in part two of what is now a three-part series on this team. If you enjoy listening to us, you can subscribe and rate our show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, I am on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, that's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports, and Frosty, where do they find you? As always, you can find me at The Organic Frost, and that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Believe in USC Football podcast is brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. The NBA, NHL, and MLB have suspended play, but you still have plenty to wager on, including mixed martial arts, American Idol, politics, and the spelling bee. BetOnline.ag also has an online casino with blackjack and poker, including their $750,000 poker series. They're still fun to be had, so go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and use promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, the fun never ends. As we continue part two of our look back at the 2003 national title season for USC, we go to game number nine. The start of November is against the number six ranked team in the country, Washington State, one of the biggest showdowns in the Pac-10 in years. USC ranked number three in the country again, and seven and one, three and one in the Pac-10 though, thanks to that loss to Cal earlier in the season. Wazoo actually came in in first place in the Pac-10. They were 4-0, 7-1 overall as well. So just a huge battle for first place in the conference. And it was a bit of a grind to start off that game. After one quarter, SC led 3-0. And it was 15-10 Trojans at the half before the second half explosion, outscoring Wazoo 28-6 to win the game 43-16 and make a statement. SC ran for 222 yards and held Wazoo to negative 25 rush yards. We'll explain in a little bit why it was a negative number. And a huge monster day for Lendale White. 12 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Herschel Dennis added 53 and a touchdown. 
Matt Leinart didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot. He only had to throw 191 yards, but had three TDs. And this was the game where a true freshman by the name of Steve Smith came onto the scene. He had three catches for 33 yards all season entering this game. He had two for 60 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown was a 55-yarder to open up the scoring in the second half. Kerry Colbert, Mr. Steady, nine catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And Mike Williams added a touchdown catch as well. But I think more people remember the fact that he threw a pass in that game where he got the ball on a lateral from Leinert to the left and then had to reverse all the way back on the other side of the field before finding Greg Gutther Jr. for a 23-yard catch. And that was a little bit of a foreshadow to what would end up happening later on down the season. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to give stuff away. The defense, five sacks, an interception, recovered two fumbles. The special teams big in this game, a safety and a fumble recovery on two terrible punt snaps by the backup long snapper for Wazoo that day. Riley Fitzchapel had the play because their starting long snapper, Troy Bieneman, didn't even make the trip with a back injury. So that is why they had the negative rushing yards was because of two bad punt snaps. And Lofa Tatupu, 11 tackles, seven of them solo in the game. Darnell Bing had an interception in that one. Kenechi Udezi, two more sacks for him. And once again, Frosty Rucker coming up big in the fourth quarter, making a play. Yeah, I mean, it was just another opportunity for us to go out there and remain dominant. Like I said before, we really came together once we lost that game versus Cal, and we never looked back. This was another huge outing in front of a packed house at SC. The fans were rocking and rolling. The energy was high. And again, this was just another way for us to go out there and prove that we were the number one team in the land. Our offense was clicking on all cylinders. You mentioned earlier how Mike Williams reverse field. I remember this like it was yesterday. He was a human highlight film. That's why he was a top 10 pick. If none of us forgot about that. But this guy, he always led the way. It was the way he went about his work, and he just made plays. Mike Williams was the biggest playmaker on our team. You talked about Steve Smith coming in, getting the opportunity to play. Again, Kerry Colbert, always the leader that he was. The Chris route running, always open, always caught the ball with nine receptions and a TD. And our defense, we showed up again. Offense, it was a great balance. Lofa Tatupu, seems like I'm always mentioning his name because we came in together. 11 tackles. This guy was just a stud, and he's one of the reasons I moved to D-line, you know, because that linebacker court was so good with him, Matt Grudegood, and Chap Simmons. Darnell Bean showed up good. And again, Kenichi Udezi, two sacks. I mean, this is why we were so successful. We had each group that was playing phenomenal football, and we were rolling. We weren't going to look back. You got to talk about it. The fumble recovery you had in the fourth quarter after this time a Sean Cody strip sack. Again, I had great guys around me, and I'm always around the ball for some reason. If I wasn't making the play, I was getting close to it. And that's one thing Coach O always harped. Get the ball. Coach Carroll, that was also one of the things. This game is about the football. And if you're running to the ball or you're around the ball, good things always happen. And anytime the ball came out, and as you see, I was always there to make a play. And if that was my only stat for the day, I was happy just because I contributed to the victory. And you're right, that was the big deal with those Pete Carroll teams, especially the early teams, is that it always seemed like they were causing turnovers and giving the ball back to our high-powered offense. Yes, everyone knows how good the offense was, but they also got so many opportunities thanks to the defense, and that's what made these games happen. A 43-16 
blowout of a team that, again, came in ranked six in the country. A lot of people were hyping them up as a team that could maybe take USC down. They had Matt Kegel at quarterback. He was having a really good season, but he got sacked, again, five times in that game. He fumbled twice, threw an interception. So he had a rough time against the USC defense that day. And talk about what it was like because part of the discussion around the country was that the Pac-10 wasn't a great conference, and this was clearly the next best team in the conference. It was a matchup of two top six ranked teams. How big was it for the team to get this one and make it look really good? Well, the thing about us is that you weren't going to out-prepare us. We really competed versus each other. We go through the roster and look at our offense and our defense on paper, all draft picks, well-coached and disciplined. And we didn't really create many mistakes and turn the ball over much. And that's one thing. We got the ball and we didn't turn them over as much. And as I know, playing in the league for all these years, I heard different people from different conferences, SEC teams, and they used to always talk about, we would think that you guys, being from the West Coast, weren't really physical teams and stuff, but we really dominated teams. And they're all afraid to play us. A lot of them won't admit it, but no one wanted to schedule us. And just like Auburn, we went out there and beat them. No one thought that a Pac-10 team was going to go all the way to travel to Alabama and beat an SEC team, let alone not let them score. We were more physically prepared, mentally prepared than any other team in the nation. And you see, by the way, we were winning. It was a collective group every time we got a chance to play. It was balanced. And like I said before, once we lost to Cal, there was no turning back. Our team gelled. And you can see by the scores of all our games, it was just dominant finishes all the way to the end. And even the young guys got to play in some of these games. And I'm sure some of their stats would be a lot higher for Liner and these guys, but they sat the majority of these games in the fourth quarter. And the next game would be one of those games you are talking about. It was a game after a bye week. So SC had a bye after the big win over Wazoo. And then on November 15th, made a trip to Tucson, Arizona to take on a struggling Arizona Wildcat team that was just 2-8. and eight. And USC had moved up to number two in the country because Miami had lost to Virginia Tech. And that left number one Oklahoma as the only unbeaten team in the country at this point in the season. SC would outgain Arizona 587 to 195, another big day of rushing, 220 to just 50 for the Wildcats, and a 32-10 advantage in first downs on the way to a 45-0 shutout victory. It was the first time Arizona had been shut out since October 5th of 1991, a 146-game stretch. Matt Leinart, another four-touchdown day with 296 yards passing, 22 of 30. He ran his streak of consecutive passes without an interception to 165, which broke the USC record of 147 that Carson Palmer had just set the year before. Mike Williams with a gigantic day, 11 catches, 157 yards, and three touchdowns. He broke the USC career receiving touchdown record with his 26 in just 23 games as a Trojan. The previous record was by Kevin Williams, who had 25 during his years playing between 1977 and 80. Lendell White, again, two more touchdowns, a one-yarder and a 43-yarder, 90 yards on the ground. He broke a Trojan record, the freshman TD record that Charles White had set in 1976. Lendell White breaks it with his 11th TD of the season. Another solid day for Kerry Colbert with seven catches, 76 yards. Reggie Bush, 
had 64 yards on the ground, and he started off the second half with a 58-yard kickoff return, again showing his all-purpose skills. Like you mentioned, Matt Leiner didn't have to play a lot of fourth quarters, and in this one, both John David Booty and Brandon Hance got in to play some quarterback, and the defense, eight tackles for loss, a sack, and four takeaways on the day, three interceptions and a fumble. Will Poole had two of those interceptions. Marcel Allman had the other, and he had the fumble recovery. And it was just another big-time performance by Jason Leach, the leading tackler on the day with 12 of them, nine of them solo. He forced the fumble that Arizona actually recovered in that game. Kanechu Desi, keeping up the sack streak, had another one along with five tackles. And Frosty, you had a couple of tackles as well. Going to Arizona playing this team, if you read the newspaper clippings and you, you watch TV and all that, Everyone projected us to win, but our coaches did such a phenomenal job of keeping us level-headed and saying, these are the type of games that teams end up losing. You go on the road, a team can come out on fire, and you can't catch up because the crowd gets into it. Everyone's looking to knock you down, and this was the time we got ranked number two when Miami lost. So we were right there where we wanted to be as the season was winding down, and this couldn't have been a let-up game. Mike Williams, another huge game. 11 receptions, 157 yards. The guy was just phenomenal. He was my roommate in college. A lot of people do not know that. I'm going to get him here on this podcast. I have to, because after this 2003 season, he really let it known that he was, one of, if not the best receiver to ever come to USC. Lindell had a heck of a game on the ground. And like you said, this was a game that Matt Liner didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter. We played so stout on all phases of the game. Reggie had a big day playing special teams, and our defense was lights out again. Skunking the Wildcats. Putting 45 points up on a team to their zero is such a hard thing to do. It's easy for a team to get a field goal if they get some good field position. But we played such a balanced attack. We were well coached and disciplined. And like I said earlier, we were not about to let up and let anyone beat us and take what we worked so hard for. So that's the thing I want to kind of bring up here because in recent years, we've seen SC teams that are very talented and they'll go and play an opponent that's not as good, whether it's talent-wise or just on the season, they don't have a good record. And it seems like there's almost a playing to the level of opposition where it seems to be a struggle to put teams away. Sometimes they even get upset. And like you mentioned, this team really didn't seem to have that issue. What was it that made that such an important thing for this team to impose their will, even on the lesser opponents? Well, I think the quote of that week was, are you a contender or are you a pretender? And that really stuck around, I think, that whole week of practice, because teams do have those letdowns when you play down to a level of an opponent. And one thing Coach Carroll always harped on us, we are the cream of the crop. We are the best out here. Do not ever play to a team's level. Always play to our standard, our level. And that's when we beat teams with heaping size victories. It's not because we were doing it intentionally to dog a team out, but it was just beat them how they're supposed to be beat. And we wanted to be contenders and not pretenders. So sorry, Arizona just had to be in the way of that. So a shutout victory in the desert. And if you enjoy listening to our show, this is part two of a three-part recap of the 2003 national title season for USC football. You can, of course, Subscribe and rate our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. On the website, it's Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Social media is at Believe Podcasts. 
for me, I am at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports on Twitter. Frosty, what is the social media handle for you? They can always find me at The Organic Frost on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Believe in USC football podcast is brought to you in part by True Classic Tees. Styles change, formal wear is out, and t-shirts are in. True Classic Tees is an LA-based t-shirt company that's on the rise. The t-shirts are soft, hold up in the wash, and incredibly versatile. You'll feel comfortable wearing them around the house, which is where most of us are stuck right now, working out in them, or when things get back to normal, out on the town. And the best part, they're incredibly cheap, only $15. And now, you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code BLEAV at checkout for 20% off. That's believe. B-L-E-A-V at trueclassictees.com. So two games left for USC in the 2003 season and game number 11, the classic rivalry with the crosstown UCLA Bruins on November 22nd. USC ranked number two in the country, nine and one overall, five and one in the Pac-10. UCLA came in six and five and four and three in conference. It was a sold-out Coliseum crowd of 93,172 people, and USC did not disappoint, scoring the first 30 points of the game and led 33 to two at halftime on their way to a 47-22 blowout win against the hated Bruins. Matt Leinart, 23-32 for 289 yards and two touchdowns. Again, did not have to play in the fourth quarter. Mike Williams, 11 catches, an incredible 181 yards and two touchdowns. He didn't play the whole second half. He kind of tweaked an ankle and just sat out the whole second half, and SC didn't need him. Herschel Dennis, 12 carries for 69 yards. Lendale White had a touchdown run, and Reggie Bush had the electrifying 96-yard kickoff return touchdown that ended the third quarter, one of the great special teams plays in USC history. The defense again coming up big, six sacks, three fumble recoveries, two of them for touchdowns, plus an interception. One of those fumble return touchdowns was by Mike Patterson in the third quarter after Marcel Allman had a strip sack. Patterson also added six tackles and a sack of his own. Will Poole had three solo tackles, two forced fumbles, recovered one of the fumbles, had a sack, a pass breakup, doing it all. Kenechi Desi had a sack, four tackles. He recovered a fumble in the end zone after a Ronald Nunn strip sack in the second quarter that made the score 30-0 before UCLA actually blocked the extra point and returned it for their two points in the first half. Another good game for Ronald Nunn. Marcel Allman, like I mentioned, had the strip sack and he had an interception. And Frosty, you got in there with a couple of tackles and a sack of your own. Again, it was another great outing by the Trojans. We wouldn't be denied. We came out just on fire, like you said. The fumble recoveries for touchdowns. We fired on all cylinders. A balanced game again. Obviously, playing versus UCLA is always a big deal. Nara, sometimes I sit back and think about these games that I played in and these environments with 93,000 people packed in the Coliseum to watch this crosstown rival. These moments just stick out so much for me. Being prepared to play this game with my teammates also reflecting the dominating win of 47-22. 
all my guys that we've been talking about this whole year that held us together and made us who we are, made us this dominant team, showed up big time. Big Mike Williams again, another huge outing. You just always got to count on a guy like that. Didn't even play the second half because of an ankle injury. Reggie with the 96-yard kickoff return, he's slowly but surely making a real statement for who he is on this team and in the nation as a threat, not even in the backfield, but on special teams also. Guys that I talked about before that came in and transferred with me, Will Poole, Ronald Nunn with big days, Ronald Nunn with the four tackles and a sack and a forced fumble, Will Poole with the three solos, Kanechi Udesi, like I always keep bringing up, a huge game, a sack, fumble recovery in the end zone. I mean, the environment, the energy that we played with and doing it in such a dominating fashion is just huge, man. These are moments I'll never forget. I'm so proud and happy to be a part of these moments. We were always the most prepared team, the most mentally tough team, and the team that was always going to fight together. And in a big robbery game like playing versus UCLA, you always want to give it your best foot forward. And I got a sack each time we played UCLA, and I never lost to them. Those are things that I will live with, and I'm so proud to talk about as many times as anyone wants to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things I really thought this edition of USC was good at was really making the other team's stars look bad, even if they'd had okay stat lines. I mean, in this game, UCLA quarterback Drew Olsen, he threw for 266 yards, a couple of touchdowns, but he had an interception. He lost both of those fumbles on sacks that were recovered for USC touchdown. The running back, he was then known as Maurice Drew. Now, of course, everyone knows him as Maurice Jones Drew, but he got held to 27 yards on 10 carries. He lost a fumble in the third quarter did get 76 yards in receptions, but it's funny because right after that Reggie Bush kickoff return touchdown, Maurice Drew ran the ball 99 yards for their own kickoff return touchdown. It was kind of like a whoa. But of course, at that point, they were so far behind, it really didn't matter. It was their one exciting highlight of the day. But again, it seemed like SC was always great at limiting the star players on the other side of the ball. Was that something that the coaches focused on? Like, hey, we can't let these guys play their game. Yeah. Coach Carroll was always really harping on, you do not let their best players beat you. So that was part of the game plan. Their best players, you have to eliminate. And he game planned defensively and schemed so well that put us in the box when we knew they were going to run and had us out there when we knew they were going to pass. Offense was such a mismatch for anyone because we outskilled anyone at any position. We outfizzled them up front with our huge offensive line. And we were just a better dominant team and we played together. And that was one of the things we were so well coached for environments and for opportunities and situations like this, that we were always going to seize the moment. And that's why we won two out of three national championships starting with this one. So that left one more game on the regular season schedule after a bye week during Thanksgiving weekend. There was going to be a December 6th matchup at the Coliseum against the Oregon State Beavers. People might not remember this, but back then, because it was just the Pac-10, there was no Pac-10 championship game. And so the conference tried to schedule what they hoped would be a big matchup on what is known as Championship Saturday, when the other conferences have their championship games. So SC was playing Oregon State, a team that had maybe underperformed. They did come in with a decent record, 7-4, and four, but just 4-3 and three in conference. SC was now ranked number two in both the AP and the BCS with their 10-1 and one record, 6-1 and one in conference. So this was going to be one of those things where everyone thought, all right, if SC can get this game, they're going to go play for a BCS national championship. 
against what everyone assumed would be Oklahoma, which was entering that day number one in the country and unbeaten. And so we'll get to that in the next part of our series here. But let's talk about the Oregon State Beavers. They had running back Steven Jackson, a guy people know from playing with the Rams for many years in the NFL. He got a one-yard TD run on the opening drive of the game after a 90-yard catch by Mike Hass, one of those annoying wide receivers that Oregon State seemed to have. I know he drove me nuts as a USC fan. I think other fans as well. He always seemed to be doing well against SC. But right after that, SC scored 28 unanswered points in the first half, never looked back on their way to a 52-28 beatdown of the Beavers finishing the regular season with a Pac-10 record 506 points and scoring at least 40 points in the last seven games of the regular season. Matt Leinart, 278 yards on 22 of 38, five touchdowns. He did end up throwing two interceptions in the game, which snapped his Pac-10 record streak of 212 straight passes without an interception. And another gigantic all-purpose day for Reggie Bush, 71 yards on the ground, 48 in the air, and 54 kickoff return yards for 173 total. Two receiving touchdowns, a 30-yarder and a 3-yarder. Lendale White, again, getting into the end zone with a touchdown. Mike Williams, two more touchdown catches for him on the day. And then Steve Smith making a big mark in this one. Five catches, 136 yards, and a 73-yard touchdown catch. The defense adding four more sacks to their total and another fumble recovery and four interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown. The special teams, there were three blocks by the special teams for USC. Two field goals and a punt were blocked in the game. Lofa Tatupu leading the way with 14 tackles. He had two of the interceptions, returning them for 74 total yards, also forced a fumble and had a pass breakup. Will Poole, 11 tackles, 2.5 for loss, and he had the other two interceptions, one of which he took back to the house for 67 yards. Dallas Sartz had a blocked punt in the game along with a sack and double-digit tackles. Another sack by Jason Leach in the game. Kenechu Desi, again, making sure he got a sack. You had a tackle in the game. Sean Cody had a field goal block and Mike Williams, not only did he have the two touchdown catches, he had the other field goal block. Just a completely dominant performance in all facets of the game. And it was funny because when you look at the offensive numbers on this game, Oregon State actually outgained SC in yardage 543 to 388. But all those turnovers and block kicks and they had 10 penalties for 101 yards. That was the story of the game, even though their quarterback, Derek Anderson, threw for 485 yards. He needed 60 attempts to do it, and he threw those four picks. Again, the star of the team, though, was Steven Jackson. He was held to 62 yards on 22 carries. Mike Hass, of course, had that huge game, 208 yards on eight catches. And their other receiver, James Newson, had 10 catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. But in the end, just the complete all-around team that this USC Trojan squad was ran the day again. This landslide of a victory for us was just to put a stamp on who we were as a team. Top to bottom, all three phases of the game, we were well coached. And you see the product. It just really let us know that all our work was for a good reason. We had the swagger, we had the energy, and we just knew we couldn't be beat. Oregon State did have a good team. A lot of good players, a lot of players that played in the league for some years. 
It was just a few years prior to that, they were winning the Fiesta Bowl. And look at us now, though. Guys that transferred into USC, including myself, all played a part in this. We had great recruiting class, and we were just so well coached. All three phases of this game let you know what type of team we were by the margin of that score. 52-28 to set the tone. It let everyone know we put a stamp on that season, and we're really waiting to figure out who was going to be the team we beat next. Because I tell you, we were rocking and rolling, and we were really on to something. And that would be the way the regular season ended, a blowout win to cap off an 11-1 record, ranked number two in the country going into that game, and there would be an upset on Championship Saturday. The Big 12 title game saw number one and unbeaten Oklahoma get beat by Kansas State, and not just beat, but beat bad. And so all of a sudden, it became who's going to be number one? Who's going to be the top two teams in the BCS poll? We are going to address that on our next show. We are making this a three-part series, a look back at the 2003 USC National Championship team. Of course, if you enjoy listening to our podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, you can subscribe and rate the show on all of your favorite podcast directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. The website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, it's at Believe Podcast. For me, I am on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, where does everyone find you? As usual, you can find me at The Organic Frost, and that's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So before we finish off today's show, I want to talk a little bit more about what made this team so special. It really seemed like everyone came together. It didn't matter if you were a transfer like yourself or the others who came in or whether you were a freshman, a sophomore, junior, senior, whoever was able to contribute, they got to play. They would contribute in all kinds of ways. Talk a little bit more about the character of this team. I believe it was just the way they recruited. They recruited guys that wanted to be Trojans. They recruited guys that were hungry, wanted to play the next level. They wanted to be well coached. We didn't have a lot of guys that went against the grain. Each person worked their tail off in the weight room. We were accountable to each other. We were all friends off the field as well as just on the field. And it just grew and it started rolling. At one point in that season, like I said, that Cal game, we all came to the realization that we weren't going to lose anymore. A couple of the leaders stepped up and sparked it. And from that point on, it was just game over for everyone. We played together. We played as one. We helped each other off the ground and we stuck together through it all. And these relationships from this 2003 team still last to the day. I'm personally in a group chat with a number of these guys. We keep up with each other's families because we are family. And that all started with that 2003 season coming together with Pete Carroll and Ed Orgeron leading the way for us. And we will finish off this look back at the 2003 USC football team on our next show. And we delve in to the controversy surrounding the final BCS rankings. And then, of course, capping off the season with a win in the Rose Bowl. And we're even going to have a special guest joining us, I believe, as well. We're going to keep that a little secret for now. But it was a good year to be a Trojan. And we will finish it off 
on our next show. So for Frosty Rucker, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 28 of the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? We hope you enjoyed part two of our three-part series on the 2003 USC National Champions. As always, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.